are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Join me for our Wednesday episode, my host in crime, Rob Rang. We've got a jam-packed episode coming your way. We're going to commemorate the career of the GOAT, Tom Brady. I know he never played for the Seahawks, but he certainly has etched his name in the Seahawks history books for good and obviously bad reasons. We're going to look back at his remarkable career and his previous matchups against the Seahawks during a remarkable 22-year career. Rob is in Mobile, Alabama. We're going to be discussing some edge players as well as cornerbacks at this week's Senior Bowl that have stood out so far during their practices on the field. And we'll be continuing our position-by-position review with running backs. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Like a lot of fan bases, Seahawks fans, understandably, are not the biggest fans when it comes to Tom Brady. The sting that comes with losing that game in Super Bowl 49 in Glendale, seeing Tom Brady again holding the Lombardi Trophy. I believe at that point that that was maybe the fourth or fifth trophy that he had won for more than the Seahawks have in their entire history. And being only a yard or two away from repeating as Super Bowl champions again. That is a sting. That is a feeling that Seahawks fans, the 12s, are going to have forever. That is never going to fully go away. Tom Brady is always going to be associated with that. But we're talking about the GOAT, the greatest quarterback that has ever played the game. And I'm just saying this, Rob, I don't know that we will ever see an NFL player that matches Tom Brady in terms of the career that he was able to put in, not just the story being a sixth round pick coming from Michigan, but the fact that he played 22 years in the NFL, he's retiring at the age of 44. And you can make an argument that he's retiring on top of his game. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns in 2021. A lot of times when we're talking aging quarterbacks, they walk away when they've had a really bad season He was a few moments from leading the Buccaneers back to the NFC Championship game a few weeks ago and had a remarkable season. So he is truly going out on top, something that most NFL players, including star quarterbacks, simply don't get to do. Yeah, that's the thing, is that it's not very often, Corbin, that you and I will dedicate a full segment to a player retiring for another franchise who never had any time playing for the Seattle Seahawks, and yet we are talking about them here on Locked on Seahawks. And yet, I think Tom Brady absolutely deserves that. I mean, as you said, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And and the fact that, that he was able to leave the New England Patriots to a Super Bowl victory over the Seattle Seahawks in, in the, the fashion that he did. It was absolutely spectacular. I mean, obviously, if you're a Seahawks fan, it, it just it just burns a hole in your gut. I mean, because that, that felt like a game that was so close to being your second consecutive Super Bowl title. I, I get that. But at the sec, at, at, on a different level, I think that anybody who can just appreciate NFL history can also acknowledge that, that what a remarkable recovery that it was by Tom Brady in the New England Patriots. Um, and, and what a fantastic career that he had, um, you know, regardless of, uh, of your affiliation and who that you uh, subscribe to as, a, as an NFL fan. So to me, 
But that's really what this comes down to is, is the fact that the Seahawks did have some losses against Tom Brady. They also had some incredible victories. I mean, you mad at bro? You know, I mean that that's that that's one of the things that I, I remember Richard Sherman in that that iconic Sports Illustrated cover. You know, with, with Richard Sherman just kind of screaming at, at Tom Brady. I um, mean, that those are some of the fun moments in NFL history during you know our time covering this this club, and, and so. To me, that is one of the fascinating things about how all this went down is the fact that the Seattle did have its ups and downs against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Pete Carroll, of course, and you know, kind of cutting his teeth as a head coach of the New England Patriots. I love that little kind of irony there. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson being born and raised kind of on the East Coast and, and knowing that franchise as well. To me, I just look at it with a, a great deal of respect for Tom Brady. And, you know, hey, kudos to him. And all the more reason why Seattle is going to have that much more of just kind of a pit in their stomach that they're going to always want to beat the New England Patriots. They're always going to want to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let's move on forward and see what kind of happens as we go on. I think the unfortunate thing is that Tom Brady and Russell Wilson only faced off against one another three times. And that included that Super Bowl game back in February 2015 their careers, obviously, the two of them were in the league together for 10 seasons, but since they were not in the same conference for a large chunk of that, they only got to play two regular season games, one in Seattle, rookie season for Russell Wilson, and then in 2016, they faced off at Foxborough in prime time. You add in the Super Bowl game, they could have played each other in 2020, but Tom Brady decides, I'm going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in free agency. The Buccaneers were not on the Seahawks schedule either of the past two seasons. And now that he's retiring, the Seahawks would have played the Buccaneers next year. And Brady would have had a chance to beat the Seahawks again. Not going to happen, though, with him retiring. So maybe that's the one disappointing thing here. Obviously, Seahawks fans are like, hey, that makes the Buccaneers game potentially a lot easier, depending on what the Buccaneers do at quarterback to replace Brady. You can look at it from that perspective, but it would have been really cool from a football fan perspective to see those two compete against each other one more time. We never got to see those two teams play each other in the playoffs after he came to Tampa Bay. We didn't get to see any regular season games. So just three total matchups between them. And this is a fun fact. Seattle is the only NFL city that Tom Brady had never won a true road game in. He has won in every other NFL city, did not win in Seattle, only played in one game. One of the games he could have played in was 2008, and he tore his ACL. That was the famous Matt Castle versus Seneca Wallace Bowl at then-named Quest Field. And then in 2012, finally, you got to see Tom Brady play in Seattle. It looked like the Patriots were going to win that game. And then Russell Wilson, rookie Russell Wilson, takes over in the fourth quarter a couple of touchdown passes, including a beautiful bomb to Sidney Rice. The Legion of Boom picks off Brady twice in the second half, and they end up turning away the Patriots on their last drive. Bobby Wagner tackling Wes Welker a couple yards short of the first down marker, and the 12s break out in euphoria at CenturyLink Field, the biggest win the Seahawks have had in a long time. And that was really the statement that we are here. We are going to be a contender in the NFC for years to come. They made the playoffs that year, got to the divisional round, then the following season won the Super Bowl. So that was really a coming out party game, not just for Russell Wilson, but the Legion of Boom, the Seahawks in general. Two of the other games that these teams played against each other had goal line stands at the end, not just the Super Bowl where the Seahawks got picked, 
You had the 2016 game where Tom Brady misfires to Rob Gronkowski at the two-yard line on fourth and goal in waning seconds. And that play ended up falling incomplete. The Seahawks win in dramatic fashion. So it just seemed like every time these two teams get together, again, I wish we could say that we were going to see Brady versus Wilson one more time, just from a pure football fan standpoint. Uh, We're not going to get to, unfortunately, but every time these two teams got together, it, it was an instant classic. It certainly was. And then that is, again, one of the things that I enjoy the most out of this. You know, I, I grew up a Seattle Seahawks fan, Corbin. And, and so, sure, back in the day, I, I was rooting for the Seahawks. And now I'm just a, a greater fan of good football. And I don't know that there are any two franchises who have had more success over the last several years than the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. And, and that, to me, is what this all comes down to. Is This is just – this is great acknowledging great you know, I mean, these are two franchises that just year after year after year played at a, just an exceptional level, not just the quarterback position, but on the defensive side. And the fact that they've had so much turnover, both franchises, if they did, and yet still be able to play these just kind of instant classics that, that both these two teams played. I mean, to me, that is one of the things that is most fun uh, about the, the rivalry, so to speak. And you can't say that very often about a guy who had, a, what, 20-plus, 22 NFL seasons and, and say that he had a rivalry against a team that he played three, four games. And, and yet that's the way it felt like with the Seahawks and the Patriots. That truly was a rivalry. And that, to me, is about as great of a, of a statement about respect and about competition as you could possibly make. Yeah, I think you can make a very strong argument that the Patriots during the Seahawks prime years when they had the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson, when they were competing for titles year in, year out, that aside from the 49ers, maybe their second biggest rival, even though they didn't play each other most seasons, it was the Patriots because that Super Bowl game and the two epic regular season contests. They played against each other in 2012 and 2016. Again, every game they played, even when Brady left two years ago, that game with Cam Newton under center had a goal line stand by the Seahawks. Dan, these teams just always play each other tough. And so, again, would love to see Brady against Wilson one more time, even if it was in a Buccaneers uniform. You know the Buccaneers would have been a contender again next year. We're not going to get to see that, but best of luck to Tom Brady as he moves on to the next chapter. A remarkable career, 22 years in the league. And basically, he owns every major passing record. He also has seven Super Bowl rings, the most by a player in NFL history. So, again, he is the GOAT. There will never be another Tom Brady. So best wishes to him moving to the next chapter after a phenomenal career. We're going to continue our Senior Bowl coverage here in a moment. Rob's in Mobile, Alabama. We talked quarterbacks and offensive line yesterday. We're going to look at a couple position groups on defense that have really jumped out to Rob here the first few days of practice at the Senior Bowl. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. 
A lot of coverage here on the Locked On Podcast Network brought to you by Get Upside. There's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL Podcast. Locked On NFL will be in L.A. all week covering the big game between the Bengals and the Rams. So make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you listen to your shows on. All right, day number two of the Senior Bowl. Yesterday, Rob, we talked quarterbacks, kind of an underwhelming group at that position this year, as well as offensive linemen, John Schneider, Steve Hudgenton and company paying close attention to the offensive line at the senior all-star showcase. We're going to flip gears to defense now. And Pete Carroll talked about this when the season concluded. The one area that he emphasized the Seahawks must get better going into 2022. And it feels like this has been a persistent problem for the Seahawks over the last four or five years, but they have to bolster their pass rush and the good news is, at least based on the way the Senior Bowl is playing out so far, Rob, it looks like this is a pretty deep defensive line class. It's got some twitchy edge rushers that may be available on day two or early day three that the Seahawks should have a chance to draft. Yeah, that's the thing. It isn't just the Senior Bowl. I mean, this is a really good class defensive lineman, Corbin. And so I think that the Seahawks are going to absolutely take full advantage of this draft class. I wouldn't be surprised if they took not only one pick, quite possibly their first pick among the defensive linemen, maybe two or three picks among defensive linemen, because I think that you just have to look around the NFL. Look at the two teams who were in the, the Super Bowl. Look at the two te- the four teams who were in the, the championship games and the ability to harass quarterbacks from your defensive line, not just your linebackers on blitzes, but your front four or front three, if you are running a, a three-four scheme, then your ability to be able to get to the quarterback is absolutely imperative in today's NFL. I mean, it, it's as important as even having a, a, a franchise quarterback. And so that's the thing. And so let, let's just highlight some of these players. I, I think that the best player in the field so far in the Senior Bowl has been Jermaine Johnson the second from Florida State. He's an interesting player because he began his collegiate career at the University of Georgia, transferred over to Florida State. Of course, the Georgia Bulldogs wound up winning a national championship last year, but Jermaine Johnson was one of the most dominant defensive linemen in all of college football. And again, he has carried that over here to Mobile, Alabama. Absolutely spectacular. The first couple of games, or first couple of practices, excuse me, here in Mobile. Let's go back to the Georgia Bulldogs. Devontae Wyatt, if you're looking for a defensive tackle, then Devontae Wyatt might just be the best three technique of this draft class that nobody seems to be talking about. Everybody wants to talk about Jordan Davis, the big nose guard, 6'5", 360 pounds, and all that kind of stuff. You want to talk about a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit of Jaron Reed in that he is going to come to Mobile. He is going to prove that he is a better pass rusher than anybody ever thought that he was. Jaron Reed was was overshadowed a touch at Alabama, and then Seattle wound up getting him in the second round. I think the Seahawks should absolutely be considering Devontae White if he is available to them in the second round, um, you know, th- this upcoming draft, because very similar player, a guy who just wears his heart on his sleeve, just plays really good physical, uh, you know, energetic type of football, is good against the run, is even better against the pass because he's he is quick. He uses his hands very well. He's passionate. To me, those are the kind of things that you're looking for. And then while Seattle is very good in the interior, the nose guard, uh, Al Woods, we talked about what a dominant player that he is. Brian Monet, a young player, also very physical at the point of attack. There's another kid, Travis Jones from, from uh, Connecticut, 
who is just his power has really kind of taken over these senior bowl practices as well. So to me, that's kind of a, you know, three different players who I think have really stood out so far over the first couple of days here uh, in, in Mobile. And obviously I'm not in town like you are, but I have gotten a chance to see some clips from practice thanks to the virtual credentialing now that's available through the Senior Bowl. And I've got a couple guys that I think are probably day three selections that are late bloomers to the college level that look like they could be intriguing. Logan Hall from the University of Houston. This is a guy I believe had one sack his first three years for the Cougars, was not overly productive, didn't play a lot, but this past season had six sacks, 13 tackles for loss. He's got good size at 6'6", 260 pounds. And look into the clips, and we're not talking just one-on-ones. We're talking full offensive line versus defensive line. You can see the explosive first step. He has some pretty well-developed counter moves as well. I saw a couple arm over moves, saw a club move that he threw in there to then bend around the corner on a guard. They moved him inside to rush from three tech at 260 pounds. I mean, this looks like a guy in day three that could be a lot of fun for if it's Clint Hurd or whoever the defensive line coach is to try to coach this kid up because he's obviously a late bloomer, but looks like there's a lot of upside there. And another one, Dominique Robinson from Miami, Ohio. And this guy immediately made me think of a player the Seahawks drafted a few years back, Obum Guachum out of Oregon State. Robinson, like Guachum, started his college career as a wide receiver and eventually made his way to defensive end. He's around 6'4", 250 pounds, and you'd expect, being a former receiver, very athletic and electric first step of the line of scrimmage. And he's shown that on a few of the snaps so far on the practice field of senior bowl, a player that's turned some heads maybe that nobody knew anything about going into this process. And so those are often the players that I'm looking at in the senior bowl. A lot of times you know your big names from the Power 5 schools, but those players that are coming from non-Power 5 schools that maybe are late bloomers but have a lot of talent that's untapped, those kind of guys can sometimes be really dangerous once they get into the NFL and they get proper coaching. Oh, no question about it. I mean, that's the thing is you you want to see guys who are just starting to scratch the surface of their potential because, of course, the Seahawks don't have a first-round draft pick. And so you have to be able to find guys who are a touch raw, um, you know, because if they are truly the elite talents and some of the players I just mentioned previously, you know, frankly, they're not going to be available at number 41 overall. So let's talk about a couple of players that, that might be available at that spot. There are positions of concern. Uh, I would kind of shift the, the focus to a position group that I think is the best in the 2022 NFL draft class. That's the cornerback spot. And, you know, Seattle has a lot of good, talented cornerbacks. However, several of them are bound to be free agents now. And so a Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska has this kind of size and physicality that Seattle has kind of preferred in the past. I mean, he's played a little bit of safety. He's played a little bit of cornerback. Made some big-time plays here in practice so far. And you don't have to go all the way to the state of Nebraska to find guys who kind of fit in with that Seahawks kind of mold. Just go back to the Palouse. I mean, Jalen Watson from Washington State has yep. actually been very impressive here uh, at the Senior Bowl. And those of us who are kind of paying a little bit of attention have not acknowledged that. Number zero for the Washington State Cougars, number zero on, on, you know, on his roster for the Senior Bowl here as well has basically allowed as many touchdowns um, throughout the season, uh, you know, as his number would would suggest. I mean, he has not been 
completely dominant. There, there have been times when receivers have been able to get open against him, but that's what you expect of a guy with his size, his physicality, his willingness to play against the run. And that would be one of the things that I would talk about is that if you just want to look at the the cornerbacks or defensive backs who who are flashing on you know YouTube or whatever, then you know hey. That it's quick. It's easy to kind of acknowledge the the quick tick, the quick twitch. Excuse me, the agility that they demonstrate over these types of workouts. But can they actually play against the run? That is something that Pete Carroll has always prioritized among defensive backs. Jalen Watson does that. So Washington State Cougars have have a really good cornerback here in Jalen Watson, and somebody that I think for the very first time in a long time that the Seahawks might be prioritizing as well. I'm going to stick with my smaller school prospects that might be available on day three. And I know the Seahawks drafted Trey Brown last year. So they've kind of altered their philosophy a little bit. They are willing now to look at shorter, smaller armed corners. But you can't tell me that Pete Carroll still doesn't get excited about tall, lengthy corners. He still prefers that style player. And Tariq Woolen from UTSA, Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, they were one of the biggest surprises in college football this year. They were undefeated late into the season until North Texas decided to spank them in a game, but they were undefeated up to that point. And Woolen was one of their best players. He's listed around six three, six foot four, and around two hundred pounds. So this is a big-bodied, long-armed corner that projects to be maybe a Brandon Browner-style player. Ball skills-wise, only had nine pass breakups the last two years and only two interceptions. So that's an area of his game he's going to have to improve at. But again, this is a player that's kind of raw that I think has all the physical tools, just needs to be coached up. What better landing spot than going to Seattle where Pete Carroll and company have excelled at developing cornerbacks over the years. You put a player that has his size, his length and athleticism in this system. I still think that that would be their preference on the outside to have at least one corner that's over 6'2", that's got length and plays physically as a press cover corner. And Woolen is a player that could provide that for them. We're going to have more time as we go to talk about corners, defensive linemen. There are a number of prospects I'm sure you and I would have loved to touch on, but we have limited time on the show and we've got a long off season ahead of us. We'll have plenty of time to hit on other prospects as we move forward. As always, greatly appreciate Rob's insight being on the ground at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. We're going to shift our focus back to the Seahawks for our last segment on today's show. Position by position review. We've looked at quarterbacks. We've looked at defensive ends and defensive tackles. Now it's to the backfield, running backs. How did Seattle's running backs play this year? And what's the prognosis for the future at that position? We'll go through the running back group in the present and future when we return. We're now in the second month of the new year. And if you're still grinding at your New Year's resolution, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, and it makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll always want to eat it. If you want to eat healthy, sometimes this time of year it can get boring. By like week three, week four, you might be thinking, this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? You don't have to worry about that with Built Bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, just 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. 
Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There are so many delicious flavors. I've stocked up on peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, so many other great flavors. And Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So make sure to check out their website, Built.com, to see what's new. Visit Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making our podcast your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's time to shift back to the Seahawks. Position by position review. We've looked at quarterbacks. We've looked at the defensive line to this point. Now it's time to go into the backfield, and it was kind of an up-and-down season. You can say this for a lot of position groups, but especially for the running running back group for the Seahawks, even the first four games of the year, Rob, Chris Carson had two really impressive outings in the opener against the Colts and in Week 3 against the Vikings, and then the other two games he played in against the Titans and the 49ers, he was held under 35 yards rushing. So that was really how this season went for Seattle's rushing attack because their offensive line was struggling with inconsistency and injuries. They had injury issues in the backfield. Carson was out for the year after that with a neck injury. Alex Collins battled some injuries. Travis Homer and DJ Dallas were in and out of the lineup. Rashad Penny didn't play much and then broke out in the final five games of the year. But up to that point, it truly was a roller coaster with the run game. And a lot of it had to do with the health of this group, starting with Chris Carson. Yeah, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, we basically celebrate the fact that Seattle was able to bring back Chris Carson, you know, who was, of course, a free agent. And, uh, and over those first couple of games, he looked like he was the guy that, that Seattle might be able to build their entire offense around. Had, had pretty solid numbers. You know, four games that he played, four games that he started, averaged four and, four and a half, roughly, uh, yards per, per carry, officially 4.3 yards per carry. And I, I mentioned it officially 4.3 yards per carry because let's just – you know, we have to have the conversation about what, what is Seattle going to do in the future? Are, are they going to kind of – hedge their bets and just say that Chris Carson is going to be the guy. They're going to bring somebody else in, perhaps trying to bring in Rashad Penning again, or, or perhaps taking advantage of this running back class. Yeah. I think to me, it's going to be fascinating. And, and you know me, Corbin, I, I'm not a big stats guy, but I think that the stats do bear out who was the most effective running backs by a large margin in this season for the club. Again, Chris Carson, 4.3 yards per carry in four starts. Alex Collins got six starts for the Seahawks. And while I think that he was impressive, we've all talked about his just incredible footwork, his ability to make something out of nothing. At the same time, he averaged 3.8 yards per carry. And then Rashad Penny finally gets healthy, finally shows Seattle what he can do, what he can do justifying that first round selection. 700 and 49 rushing yards, play started just six games. I mean, you know, double what Alex Collins did in more games, tripled what that Chris Carson did in virtually the same amount of games. You know, I mean, averaging 6.3 compared to the 4.3 for Chris Carson, the 3.8 for Alex Collins. The, you know, I, I've used this expression so many times. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, what Rashad Penny was able to do for the CX, the running back position, 
he basically gave them that jolt of electricity that, this, that the Seahawks offense needed. I mean, anytime the Pete Carroll has been the head coach, he has leaned on the running back position. And Rashad Penny was the guy that justified leaning on that running back position. This was a completely different offense in the second half of the season. I don't know if there was any NFC team that wanted to face the Seahawks down the stretch, including the team that's going to be playing for a Super Bowl here, you know, moving forward in the Los Angeles Rams. So to me, that is the conversation. Is as good as Chris Carson was, as good as Alex Collins was in his limited duty. There is no question. The most talented, the difference maker in Seattle's backfield was Rashad Penny, and that just basically answers the conversation in itself. Rashad Penny needs to be retained by the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree with you, and we've talked about it. It depends what the price point is because of his injury history. That is something that we cannot just turn a blind eye to. He's missed more than 20 games in his career due to injury. But I think that Penny kind of hit the hammer on the nail mentioning really he's had one severe injury that he believes led to some of the other soft tissue injuries that he's battled. That is not uncommon for a guy to tear his ACL and then have some soft tissue injuries on his way back from that significant knee injury. So he's hoping that those injuries are now behind him and he's going to be selling that based on the way he played the last five games. Penny to me easily has the highest grade for this group because you threw out the stats and we had, we got to watch him four games with over 130 rushing yards in the last five games of the year had 170-plus each of the last two games. And what he brought this team, not just the home run hitting ability, what really surprised me, we saw him really struggling with bouncing runs too much outside. He became a much more downhill-oriented runner in the last part of the season playing for the Seahawks than what he ever had been in his first three years of the team. And you saw the vision, you saw the decisiveness, you saw the patience. He really became the complete package. He even ran with some authority. We saw him dragging tacklers. We saw him stiff-arming tacklers into the ground. We got to see the talent the Seahawks believed he was. So I've got to give him a solid A-minus for the season, even though he didn't play a lot the first half. When he did play, and once he became the starter, he was arguably the best running back in the NFL the last five or six weeks of the season. So he earned a really high grade, and it just made that offense – totally different it transformed the unit it made life much easier for Russell Wilson in the passing game and that's a big reason they scored 30 or more points in four of their last six games as you mentioned suddenly looked like a team that nobody wanted to play down the stretch they were playing some really good football and offense a big part of it was Penny I thought Chris Carson those first four games was solid he just doesn't have the explosiveness though that Rashad Penny brings out he is a punishing runner between the tackles I will give him a solid B for his performance those first four games because I thought he played fine. Again, he had two really good outings and two games where he struggled because the line wasn't blocking much at all in front of him. But he still looked like a capable starting running back before his neck injury. I think as for his future, that's a totally different discussion. But before the injury, he looked like a starting caliber running back. Alex Collins for a couple games looked like a capable starter too. Then he got banged up. I'm going to give him a C because to me, the biggest issue with Alex Collins is his vision. There were just too many times where it looked like there were cutback lanes and he wasn't able to hit those creases. And that was even more evident once he was playing at less than 100%. And your other two players on the depth chart, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, I think they've shown us who they are. They are capable third down running backs. DJ Dallas is a bit more of a downhill between the tackle style runner. He played really well against the Rams in that game in week 15. Had a couple other games this year where he showed some nice stuff out of the backfield. He can catch. 
obviously a good special teams player. Travis Homer had two special teams touchdowns this year, had, has shown some burst as a runner, not much of a between-the-tackles kind of guy, though. Both these guys are not feature backs, but they are quality third-down options for you, and so obviously you'll be happy to have them back around. And to me, both those guys deserve to be in the B-C-plus range just because they had solid seasons, but yet neither one of them really took on a bigger role at running back, and that speaks volumes to me with the injuries that they had, that those opportunities never really were presented to them. Yeah, and, and I won't I will I won't argue with your your grades that you just gave. I think that those are are very solid grades um, and very fair grades to all the all the running backs. I just think that if you had to evaluate the running back position as a whole, then it would be difficult to say anything other than a B minus because of the fact that that this is a team that that did have three different starters at one point or another, and maybe even four if you want to count DJ Dallas, who again what was a starter in one game just basically because of Seattle's lack of durability among their other three guys. So that to me is the biggest concern is that in today's NFL, you would love to have a you know committee of running backs, but you also want to have a guy who is the guy we talked the about. In the, yeah. In the first segment here, Corbin, where we're breaking down the, the Seahawks and the new England Patriots and all of that. And clearly they had a bell cow you know, in some of those primetime matchups against the New England Patriots, not being Marshawn Lynch. And you can you know, make the argument that maybe he should have got the ball at the, you know, at the, at the one yard line there in the Super Bowl or wherever the case might be. The, the point being that there was a bell cow. And I think Chris Carson has proven that he can't be that bell cow, but he doesn't have that breakaway ability. As good as of a receiver as he became over his career, that was one of the reasons why he dropped to the seventh round all those years ago. Um, Rashad Penny developed into a pretty solid receiver himself, but it was his breakaway ability at 230 pounds is what really makes him special. But again, it's the durability question. So to me, that's the conversation is what is the the, the contract that you're going to have to allocate to Rashad Penny? Because, you know, we, we saw what a dynamic talent that he can be when his mind is right and he is running downhill and he is using those 230 pounds to really be able to break through tackles, not just elude tackles, not just be able to run away from tackles. You you wish that one of these backs was Adrian Peterson, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, the, the guy that he once was, you know, in his career, he could do just about everything. And so that to me is going to be one of the question marks here is that is there somebody on Seattle's current roster that they feel like can be that guy? Or do they have to take advantage of this draft class? As you mentioned before, I am here in the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. I do see a number of backs who are really intriguing, who are a heck of a lot cheaper than Rashad Penny might be, even cheaper than what Chris Carson is at this point. So I think that that's a conversation the Seahawks have to have among themselves here as we move forward. I do think that Rashad Penny proved himself to be absolutely a first-round caliber running back, justifying where Seattle selected him and that he can be the kind of the guy that the Seahawks need. But at the same time, if he gets a little bit too big for his britches or his agent does and suggests that they need to just basically throw all kinds of millions of dollars to bring him back, then his durability question marks are big enough for a team that has to win right now that that maybe they like to go with a younger back. So I, I think that this is really – the running back position is going to be one of those that is going to be a fascinating conversation for – several weeks, maybe even months to come. 
Yeah, I know they would love to have a second coming of Adrian Peterson fall in their lap. They, in his prime, Adrian Peterson, that would be quite a weapon to add to this offense. And I think in a perfect situation, they would be able to bring Rashad Penny back at a team-friendly deal. There's still some belief that they can be able to do that. I think the running back market has dried up so much that with his durability concerns, I'd be surprised if anybody throws tons of money at him in free agency. What I really think the real question is, we'll see what happens with Penny we don't know what Chris Carson's going to look like coming back in the field. Pete Carroll has sounded optimistic with him coming back from neck surgery that he's going to be good to go. But, I mean, we're talking about a player that's had three significant injuries that have ended his season in five years. And this latest one is a neck issue for a running back. I need to see that he can handle getting hit again on the field before I'm ready to anoint him as one of your top running backs again and even keeping him on the roster. I don't think it's a given that he plays this next season. We need to see what he looks like on the field. This is a neck injury for crying out loud. So, you know, I I just need to see how that develops first. I really think they need to add another running back to the mix. I don't know that Alex Collins is the answer. Not that he hasn't given them some good contributions because he has, but I think you bring back Dallas and Homer. They're both going to be under contract this year on affordable rookie deals. You keep those two around. You try to bring back Rashad Penny. It's kind of wait and see where Chris Carson's at. If you don't feel comfortable where he's at, he might end up being a player that gets cut. I don't think that that's ruled out depending on his health. And then you've got Josh Johnson. That's maybe the one X factor in here. Josh Johnson didn't get any carries in regular season games this year, but they really like him. They held on to him on the practice squad. He's a punishing runner, formerly from Louisiana Monroe. Got some special teams activity the last couple of games of the year. He is a guy that if you don't have Alex Collins around, you don't bring somebody else back, and especially if Chris Carson isn't back. Josh Johnson is a guy that I believe has every down type of talent. This is a guy that could be a 15-20 carry a, a game back. That's the style runner he is. I just don't think Travis Homer and DJ Dallas have shown enough and been healthy enough to be those guys. But Josh Johnson, I think, has that kind of upside. So maybe he's that one wild card to watch, and they could add a draft pick to go at this position as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Josh Johnson, I watch him, just the kind of short, squatty build that he possesses. He reminds me of some of the Seattle's former backs. Like I think of Thomas Rawls. I, I think of uh, you know Justin Forsett. I mean, these guys who are a little bit shorter, but also squatty, powerful, have a little bit of burst to them. And again, I mean, we, we know this is Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they have consistently, when they've had more than three or four draft picks, have consistently used at least one draft pick on a running back. And this year's draft class at the running back position, Corbin, is pretty good. And so I would not be surprised at all if they have a mid-round grade on a running back that happens to fall in the sixth, seventh round that they may select another player as well. But I would not be surprised if one of these wild cards, whether it be Josh Jacobs, whether it be a guy from the 2022 draft class, if there might be somebody else who is just kind of creeping into Seattle's backfield in the future. And we'll just have to wait and see. There's a lot of question marks, as we've mentioned here. We don't know which veterans are going to be back. We don't know which young guys might be coming in. This is kind of a position that's a little bit in flux heading towards free agency. And we'll get some answers starting at the beginning of the new league year 
in early March. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, we stream five days a week on YouTube. Subscribe for free on any of those major platforms coming up on our Thursday episode. It's going to be an exclusive mailbag episode. I'll be tackling your questions throughout the show. So make sure to submit those to my Twitter handle. Again, that's at Corbin Smith NFL looking forward to answering as many questions as I can on our Thursday show. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.